there. Welcome to episode 46 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I am so very happy you're hanging out on the playground with my fabulous mystery guest and me today. I promise you, it's going to be inspiring. Before we start our chat, I invite you to reach out to me on LinkedIn and to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. In the doghouse today, we are spotlighting Beirut for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, a rescue organization established to improve the lives of animals in the region. They provide rehabilitation and a safe haven while striving to find the loving, permanent homes these animals deserve. Through education and direct action, they work to prevent animal overpopulation and cruelty and encourage a society that treats animals with compassion. The website will be in the show notes. Like Beta, or Beta, my fabulous mystery guest also has a connection to Lebanon. Please welcome the lovely Mahmoud Eid. Welcome, 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 Mahmoud. It is so nice to have you join me, to have you join us here on the playground. And as the listener knows, it's all about context. And you and I met at OCSO when I was the mentorship facilitator and you were an intern with the FIN program. And this is your about section. You said, I am here to serve my community, energetic and motivated personality, outgoing and people loving, like the good conversations and open mindsets, interested in community involvement, climate change, Indigenous support, and international relations. And you are a public servant and information technology specialist and a really lovely person. You and I, we connected from the moment that we first chatted. Wow, that was a great introduction. I can't even, like, if I try to introduce myself the best way, I will not, I'll not be able to match that ever. But thank you so much for having me here today. It's it's a great great pleasure to to be on your uh, podcast and giving me the chance to talk to you and to your audience. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. Thank you, Tonya. Yes, I remember our first call. Like I, I can tell as well. Like we clicked the first hello on the phone. We I felt like this is an interesting person I'm talking to, and uh, this person I can I can uh, learn a lot from and can. Uh, I can benefit a lot from their, their relationship and like having me here, giving me the space to talk is one of them. So thank you, Tonya, again for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And it's so funny because I thought about you. I thought, oh, this is somebody I'm really connecting with. And I think that that says a lot about our colors, me being the blue and and you being the, you know, the green logical kind of guy. But you also have a really compassionate side within you and I really like it. So I'm going to get right back to to high school. The question is, where did you grow up and and go to high school? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my country of origin is Syria, like relatively small country in the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a fairly very diverse country. I, I, I was born in the central area in a small city, relatively also. And not like in the center of Hama, but in a neighboring city. It's called Soran. It's uh, it's a small city. It's around like 60,000, 70,000 
people living uh, in Soran. And it's uh, like the, my area is very diverse, though it's uh, very conservative. Like all the people there are very conservative. So I was uh, born and raised in a very conservative environment. But that didn't prevent me from uh, reaching out and getting to know uh, other people, other culture, and uh, getting introduced to other perspectives. In Suran, uh, like, okay, the education in Syria in general is based on uh, something like a Soviet uh, module of, of education, where, like, you need to memorize a whole book and you get a taste with it, uh, taste uh, in this book uh, at the end of the year and you might pass and you might fail and based on your uh, grades you're gonna have your uh, your way in your life <clears throat> so in the ninth grade is yeah in the ninth grade is one of the determining points where like you're gonna proceed in the scientific section or literature section or just go back home or i don't know they're gonna find you another section yeah, I did my ninth grade uh, year. I passed in, uh, with good grades, so the, that that allowed me to go to the scientific section in the high school, and that was like on top of the other uh, sections. I went there for the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, and that like that's it. And the, the high school in Syria is only uh, three grades. It was like there was two high schools in in Suran. Uh, there was like the western one and the eastern one. I studied in both, but my last year I studied in the Western uh, High School of Soran. What was it like? Did they have like clubs that you can join or was it just kind of you go to school, you learn and that's it? Like in Syria, males study uh, apart from females. So in my school, there was no female, all males. And uh, like the clubs, it depends. It wasn't like official clubs, but it depends on the group you are with. So Every group they have their own. They had their own uh, activities. They had their own uh, ideas. They had their own uh, way of thinking. So, like for example, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples. So, like uh, there was a group containing of four people. They were like so much into playing cards. Mm. I wasn't in that group. My group, <laughs> yeah, my group consisted of six people. We were like we were love to play uh, video games. So after school, we were go. We were uh, used to go to the uh, video game center and play there for like uh, two or three hours, and then go back home. So it depends on your group of people, but and also there was like different activities, but not something like official clubs. It has a name for it in in Arabic. I think if you want to like the German name is Lota, and it's like a group, but it's a group of friends. They have like the same ideas, the same uh, interests, the same uh, something, but it's spontaneously made. It's not something systematic. Right. It's more informal. Yeah, informal. So I wasn't a technical um, technical cl- club, let's say. Let's say the, the club of technology, because I, I used to like technology and computers and video games and all. You still do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not playing video games, but it's still uh, into technology, right? So did you know what you were going to do after high school? So it also, I can't answer the question without explaining the context context of uh, the Syrian mindset. So in Syria, you cannot be successful. Like this is their mindset. The only the definition of being successful is you're either a doctor or an engineer. If you're anything mm-hmm. else, you're not successful. Hmm. Yeah, you, you need to work on yourself. So uh, when I was in 10th grade, I was planning to be a lawyer. So oh. lawyer, yeah, lawyer in Syria is... I'm not going to say it has a negative perspective on it, but I would say it's not like like the first option for, let's say, 75% of the newly graduated students. 
And then, like, after I told my family, relatives, and acquaintances that I want to study law, they say, oh, you're going to be a lawyer here in Syria. Like, this is very, uh, there is very small chance of you being successful lawyer because all people, like, they solve their problems when they're in the communities. They don't take it to the court and all. Mm. So I said, oh, okay, because I didn't know, like, um, like the war is going to happen and I will need to leave Syria and come to Canada. I didn't know that because uh, back in the back in the days, I um, like the, the, the life was so peaceful and everyone thought they're going to, like, live and die in Syria. No one, like, even if I travel outside Syria, it's going to be, like, temporary. I'm not going to stay there uh, forever. I'm going to go back to Syria. So, like, I thought about something to make me successful in the Syrian uh, society, so I chose engineering. The closest thing to uh, software engineering was something called electrical automatic automatic control engineering. Something like it's a branch of electrical engineering. So I, I registered that. But uh, yeah, also let me tell you one thing about the Syrian education system. So when you are in 12th grade, you make also an, an exam about all your education throughout 12 uh, years of education. And this test it's going to determine which uh, university uh, major you can uh, register or which one you can't. So I took, like, it's uh, out of uh, 240. So if you are 230 and above, you can register medicine. 210 and above, you can register uh, engineering. So I, I, I got 210 out of 200, 240, and that qualified me to register in, in engineering. So I didn't know before uh, going to school what I'm going to register. I just told myself, like the best major I can register, I'm just going to register and go with it. And that was uh, electrical power engineering. Yeah. So what do you do if you're just not a good, like if you're not a, a STEM person, you know, science and, and tech? What happens to the people that are born there and they're in that category? You know what I mean? Yeah, you either be a lawyer where you can barely make a living or you can be a teacher. You can also barely, make, you also got to make barely make a living. You can work in uh, like uh, jobs that not require lots of education, like construction jobs, some uh, some uh, part of it, like cleaning and stuff. You have a wide range of being a teacher. Like uh, there are lots of uh, teaching uh, majors in Syria, and you can be a nurse, lawyer. Like I told you, it's not very popular in Syria, and you can you can be anything you want. But like I told you, the society very fixed to the idea that. If you want to be successful, it should be a doctor or an engineer. That's it. So all other people, they call it just people, right? And I, I don't, I don't, uh, I disagree with this because like you can be successful, you can excel in anything and you can, you can make, for example, what's the definition of being successful? Like making money, you can make lots of money from other, uh, from other majors, from other uh, professional careers. But uh, this is the, the mindset in Syria. So yeah, you either be a teacher, a lawyer, a, a nurse. Uh, it can be a merchant as well. It's a big thing in Syria. Lots of merchants, merchants in Syria. So definitely, like having an occupation. Yeah, yeah. Like, in Syria, like yeah. If if a man doesn't have a work, he's not gonna get respect from anyone. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Now I can't wait for the an- for your answer to this next question. Sure. How have you pivoted in your life? Like pivoted, you mean the like, change fundamentally, right? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the whole idea is, you know, we, we figure out our purpose in life, we plan according to, you know, what our purpose is, and then life yeah, happens. Yeah. And I know, because you and I have talked about stuff, life you're has right. happened to you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, uh, like I told you, uh, I always been very uh, interested in, in technology and, and computers and all and programming. So I always thought like, 
whatever I, I studied, it's always going to be something I can, I can work with, I can go back to, because I know I have like big uh, knowledge in it. Like when I had the idea of being a lawyer and everyone said, oh, it's not a good idea. So I went to the second uh, favorite for me was uh, software engineering because I didn't have like good grades enough to get software engineering. I got the second thing uh, very close to software engineering was uh, automated uh, control engineering. So I studied that, I liked it. And then because of the war in Syria, uh, I had to travel to Lebanon and not knowing if I'm ever going back to university or no. So in Lebanon, I applied for a scholarship and they gave me the chance to register anything I want. They said, like, this is the university, any major you want, you can just register it. So uh, I told myself, okay, this is a second chance for me to uh, register in software engineering. Yeah, just to let you know that I was, I was working in software engineering before I came to Lebanon. When I was in Syria, I was like programming, coding. I was like preparing laptops and computers and all. And after I came to Lebanon, I just proceeded with this working and also studied in it. And after two years and after five works, uh, after five years and working in technology, yeah, when I was in Lebanon, still in Lebanon, uh, I got this scholarship to Canada it's through WASC, uh, World uh, Canadian uh, uh, service world canadian university service uh they offered me this scholarship to to come and study in carlton so i came to study in carlton and also they gave me uh the option to choose whatever i want to study hmm. so I, I yeah and also i found a job here in the private sector in the it section as an it specialist when i came to canada and started studying especially throughout the five the first year i was like uh, almost a five years experience in information technology into something like I used to like when I was younger, but after I studied it and worked in it, I started to think, yeah, it's a good job. You can find, you can get lots of money, but uh, it's not giving me the fulfillment that I'm, I'm looking for. Mm. And because of the war in, in Syria, I got so much exposed to lots of news, lots of perspectives, lots of opinions, lots of uh, way of thinking, ideologies, and I needed to get to the root of that how, how why everything is why everything happening in the world is happening what what led this to this what what made this thing like that so i found the answers in in political science major so you can say the war the war in syria has pivoted my life fundamentally like before the war i was someone and after the war i became someone else so after i studied politics and I started to get to get more exposed to the origins of ideas and how uh, every idea, every perspective, every policy has uh, developed ever, all throughout hundreds of years, some of them thousands, if you want to like read books like uh, the politics or uh, like like for the old Greek uh, writers, like they, they went through lots of uh, political ideas that have been still practiced until now. The more I get exposed to, uh, let's say, literature and, and philosophy and politics, the more I want to learn. So when I was in my third year, I decided, okay, this is this is something I wanna I wanna proceed with, and the fulfillment I can get is by by helping people and educate them and uh, try to give them a better social and emotional life than just go and fixing their laptop or fixing their phone. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't too long. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Of course, I have questions. I appreciate where you're coming from about wanting to make a difference in people's lives. So would you ever consider getting into politics? I got involved in the two different parties here in, in Canada. One of them is the Liberal Party and the other one is the NDP. I got involved in both of them. I went, I volunteered with lots of activities and did lots of uh, uh, discussions, uh, statics. Uh, yeah, I did uh, like here and there. The thing is that 
you need to mold yourself to be in a mold. So, for example, if you are with the Liberal Party, you, you should go with the mold of the Liberal Party. The same thing with NDP, the same thing with the Conservatives. So I uh, thought about uh, making a community center. So I started something like community center where like people can come and ask questions, where other people can uh, give them answers. Like I, I tried to make it as uh, diverse as possible, where it can have uh, professionals from different uh, backgrounds and uh, people like uh, new immigrants, old immigrants. People have been here for a long time, so everyone can benefit from each other. I, I also organized uh, two parties and two gatherings. Like people came and we celebrated, we have dance here and there. So I felt like the best way to to get involved in politics and not to, uh, let's say, agree on something you don't fully agree with is mm-hmm. to go through uh, social service. Nice. Can you tell me more a little bit about these uh, events that you've planned? Tell me how it's coming into fruition, please. What do you mean? Like, how do you need to practice? Well, yeah. Like, how, how's it coming into play? Like, when we talked about it at first, it was just an idea. Sure. So I'm going to tell you about one party we made. I'm going to go into details and that's the same thing for all other events because this one is the biggest one. As you know, like Ottawa is a very diverse city. You can find people from all backgrounds and uh, some communities are very well organized and some communities are best organized. Last summer, I was I was uh, like going for attending lots of, uh, let's say, festivals. So I attended the Greek festival, I attended the Mexican festival, so Latin festival. Attended Chinese festival, Afghanistan festival, uh, European festival, and I was I was with the friends. Some of them were Syrians, some of them Canadians, some of them uh, other immigrants. So all of them like they asked me uh, around like seven, uh, eight out of ten, like from every ten people, I would say seven people. They asked me, why don't you, since you created something called Syrian community in Ottawa and you are the leader of it, why don't you organize something called the Syrian festival? And that's how the idea started. I started to reach out to people who like had the uh, background organizing events. And I got to like, let's say, reasonably good idea about how to organize an, uh, an event. Mm-hmm. Reached out to the municipality. I told them I'm going to do this and that. They said, that's okay. We support you. Now uh, I need to find a place. We agreed we're going to make it in Vincent Massey Park in uh, on uh, Heron, that bit is to the south of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I started to publish online about the event, to send on WhatsApp, on Facebook, WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups, start to publish it online and start to have positive reactions for, to people who they want to come. And I put on paper what I needed to make this party, or let's say CM festival happened mm-hmm. first of all i needed music like i needed a place i got the place i needed music and a dj and uh, music mixer i needed tables and chairs i needed vendors and uh, i needed people so people i got them through uh, advertisements like i, mm-hmm. I did a good job in advertisement because i have connections here in ottawa and uh, they were excited about it. Uh, music, I have a friend. He, uh, he he actually organized parties in restaurants. Not like, uh, it's, they organized private parties. So he brings like a singer, music, uh, speakers, uh, lighting, all that. So he said, okay, I will volunteer my time. You just need to pay me for the speakers. I paid him 150 for the speakers. And I paid uh, 150 for the for the park. And I paid 100 <laughs> hundred dollars for the tables and chairs the, i got some offer offers from vendors so but i didn't want to make it uh, like a profitable uh, occasion i wanted to make it like a social occasion like gathering so what i did i only accepted three vendors one of them for food one of them for sweets and one of them for children toys like games and toys and stuff you know like if you want to like take your child buy them like 
food, drink, uh, sweets, toy, uh, uh, other kind of snacks, you can buy them. So I got uh, from each one, like I got from the food vendor 150, from uh, the sweet uh, 100, and from the toys I got 100. So I got uh, 350, so I paid for out from pocket almost around 100. Mm-hmm. And uh, we promised all the people, and uh, like place uh, X, uh, section Y, uh, time Z, you to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there in the morning, started to settle down uh, the table, the chairs, connect the music, uh, prepare everything. And around 12 p.m., 12.30 p.m., people start to show up and start to get together, start to, um, like, I also uh, encourage them to bring their food with them. So some of them, they brought food. Around 2 p.m., we start uh, the music. People start to dance, start to socialize with with each other. Yeah, well, just let me add this. I also uh, got a vendor for face painting. So the children were uh, very happy about it for lots of people. Yeah, having their face painted. Until like uh, 3.30, I made uh, like something like, uh, let's say, a word or a small speech. I said, thank you for attending. I'm very happy. Let's say mm-hmm. this is like the first Syrian festival. It's humble, but all the beginnings are humble. Next year, it's going to be something bigger, et cetera, et cetera. And all of them, like, we're excited. Around 6, 6.30, people start to get tired and they want to go home. And 6.30, people start to leave. At the 7.30, it started to bring the, the stuff back home. At 8, everything was finished. Wow. How many people showed up? Around 200, 250. Oh my gosh, Mahmoud. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'll show you the videos. I got lots of videos. I'll show the videos when I see you next time. That'd be great. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. So you know what? You've kind of given me an answer to the next question, which is what brings you joy? Right, right. See people happy. See, see smiles, uh, smiles on faces. That's what brings me joy. Remember when I told you, like, yeah, technology is great. You can you can find job easily. You can get a good money from working technology, but doesn't bring you satisfaction. But when you are helping people, actually like changing their life, maybe yeah, you're right. Like fixing the phone, it's it's gonna like make you happier, but it's not gonna like make you really happy or change your life or something like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I yeah, when I see people are happy, see people smiling, see if like people's uh, problem are being solved. Yeah, that's what brings me joy in life. That's nice. And I, I know that. And that's why I'm smiling. And <laughs> so is do you have a favorite quote or, or words that you live by? It's not like I live by, but something I remember and I like and I practice, not on daily basis, but it's, it's something I put in mind. So it's like, uh, I don't know if this is a legend or this is a true story, but it's a story that comes with a, with a, with a meaning. So uh, there was a king. He, this king was uh, like very tough on their, on his population. One day he he made a very like uh, expensive ring and he uh, announced to his kingdom that he needs someone to write a phrase on his ring that makes him change his, let's say, uh, his mood or change his mindset every time he reads it. So he brought lots of people and eventually uh, one, one, let's say, wise guy came. So um, he wrote like three words on this ring. He said, this time will pass. Actually, it's four mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you are sad or you're angry, uh, angry or worried, when you are like stressed, you look at your ring you remember this time will pass and you look forward to the to the happy time or like to the better time that will come. When you're happy and you're excited and you are like taking advantage of everything around you, like living your life, you look at your ring and remember that this is not uh, going to stay forever. You need to, to also look forward and prepare 
for the ne not necessarily as as pleasant times as you are having right now. So uh, every time, like I am very happy or very chilled or very uh, overjoyed, I tell myself, okay, stay calm because this time will pass and you might have difficulties come. So you should be prepared for them. When I'm having difficulties happening, I also remind myself that this time will pass, these difficulties will, will pass, and things going to be good again, and I'm looking forward to them. This phrase that says, this time will pass, I always tell myself when I am too much stressed or too much happy. Yeah, you're right. This too shall pass. The idea that everything is temporary in life. And one of the things that I love most about you Thanks. is your level of positivity and inspiring, inspirational feeling that you bring me. So before we go, mm -hmm. why don't you share some of the the positivity? Like a lot of things have been happening in your world and you have maintained such a positive, open and eager attitude. Like you're really open to whatever comes your way. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of people in the world who, you know, when they hear Syria, they think of, you know, the, the things that we hear on the news. Mm -hmm. But you, yeah. you're yeah. a real live human being and you're sharing your story with people. Is there anything you want to share? Yeah, you're right. How, how to keep positive. So, uh, like I told you, I was studying in Syria, electrical power engineering, and I was pretty much, yeah, I was convinced with it. I liked it. So, uh, at one point, so my home city was Hama. I was studying in Latakia. So, I needed to go to, uh, like, to travel around two hours to get my, uh, to get to my university. And this traveling of two hours was, at one point, was very dangerous. Like, if you go, there is like 60, 70% chance that you might be killed, kidnapped, tortured, your car be bombed, I don't know, you might, like die. 70% chance that you're going to die on the on the way. At one point in 2016, this 70% chance went up to 90. Oh. So I told myself, I, I can't go to university this year. I will have to postpone it next year. And next year, I will see what's going to happen. I went to Lebanon because... Um, like, uh, I didn't have lots of money. That was the easiest way to go. And there was like, I can't stay for a long time because uh, you, can, you might get killed anytime through like um, accidentally, on purpose, anyway. So I went to Lebanon. I was very frustrated because I thought like, I lost my university. I lost my education. I lost my life. I lost everything I was building for the last 13 years. It, yeah. it's a, in uh, studying years and also just to add up to that at one point uh, a, a military uh, personnel went to my family and asked about me and told them that i should go uh, serve the government and the government there you can't actually call the government it's just a group of uh, criminals getting around calling themselves a government and stealing from everyone in that country that's basically it so if I'm going to serve them, that's me. I'm being a criminal. So actually, if I went to Syria, I'm going to go to serve this government. I'm not going to be to going to school, be able to go to school. That's me. I, I, I really lost my you know, my education right now. And now I'm not an educated person unless like, okay, I have high school, but all my papers are gone. Right. Luckily, my mom was able to find some papers and send them to me. I said, yeah, even though I can't do nothing because uh, studying in Lebanon is very expensive. For me at that time, I, I, I can't work and study at the same time. After that, yeah, for almost two months, I said to myself, okay, university is gone. Just focus on yourself right now and try not to, uh, to exaggerate your, your bad situation. But after two months, I found this uh, scholarship 
and I applied for it and it got accepted. And after a year and a half, I got this uh, scholarship in Canada. I applied for it and got and got accepted. So if I if I didn't go through that atrocity, having to flee my country and let go with my university and my education behind me and come to the unknown and uh, proceed from the beginning, I wouldn't be have the chance to travel here to Canada and be accepted in Carleton University and graduated from here and 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 working for for this country's government and and having their citizenship. So yeah, you might find you might see like the situation that you're in, sometimes it's bad, but it's not necessarily fully bad because you're not seeing the full picture. Maybe it's just a, a way or a door for much better uh, experiences you're going to have or much much better uh, situation you're going to be. So yeah, anything that happens with you right now, don't overreact about it. Just tell yourself this time shall pass and hope for the better. Wow. See, you see, you're just... Any time I get to spend with you is just really special. So thank you. And I know we had a little, we had a tough time organizing Mm -hmm. this podcast interview, but we're both very determined people. We figured it out. I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Tonya. I really appreciate having me here. It was a great uh, opportunity to, to talk to you and talk to your audience about my uh, experience. And again, thank you for giving me the platform. Thank you so much, Mahmoud, for sharing your career and your life story with us on the playground today. He shared his career journey, which took him from an IT career in the Middle East to studying political science at Carleton University. His focus on helping other people informed his choice of university major and is also a source of joy for him. My chat with Mahmoud really gave me a lot to think about and reflect on. Things like how in Canada we take for granted that we are not at risk of being kidnapped or murdered simply for leaving our homes and going to university or work. We are incredibly blessed to live in a country where people have the opportunity to study whichever subject they're interested in. Mahmoud shared what it was like to go to school in Syria and showed us what success means in that society. He also shared how he had to leave Syria and start all over again in Lebanon. And he also told us how instead of trying to fit into the mold of a political party here in Ottawa, he prefers to create community and support others. We got an insight into how he was able to build community by organizing and hosting different events and how much he loves attending different festivals in the Ottawa area. Take a look at the show notes for more about the vendors who helped create a fantastic event and a link to the video and the Instagram account. I love his philosophy of this too shall pass and how he is able to consistently take a positive and optimistic approach to life even during the most challenging of times. A truly lovely person, Mahmoud is caring, thoughtful, and exceptionally generous. Ottawa is a better city because he makes a difference in people's lives. Please join me on the playground next week when I will be joined by another fabulous mystery guest with his own inspiring story. Until then, please remember to visit betalebanon.org for more information about Beirut for the Ethical Treatment of Animals and follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001, or just drop me an email on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect. And until we meet on the playground again, please be good to yourself, to others, to animals, and the environment. Looking forward to next week, 
when we will jump into the future together.